32 counties. 32 questions. Una is on dumb. August Andrea is on dumb. And we are United, United Ireland. Ireland. We usually take a county, dive into an issue relevant to that county, and then see where in the world it brings us. But what is usual? We are doing episodes for the last while on, you know, just living in a global pandemic, uh, the consequences of that, the issues that uh, throws up, and also other things that are happening in spite of a global pandemic. One of those things is what we're focusing on this episode, which is a special episode on the eighth, the film. It is an amazing Really, really great uh, Irish documentary on the repeal the eighth movement. Uh, it opened the Galway Film Flaw this week. Some of you will have seen it, others will not. Don't worry, you will be seeing it soon. So, for this special episode, we are talking to the three Irish women behind this seminal Irish documentary. Stay tuned for a brilliant chat with them, how they made it, what it's all about and what it's like putting film out into the world when cinemas are still closed and festivals have moved online. Uh, big up all of our Patreon supporters. As usual, when a new month comes around, some people fall off, cards are changing over, people's accounts are doing mad things, blah, blah, blah. If you think you're a Patreon supporter, make sure you still are. Go to patreon.com forward slash United Ireland to check you're still on board. If you aren't, Come on board. Come on in. Uh, and uh, help us keep this podcast going. We're really grateful to all of our um, new supporters, our OG supporters. Uh, it's just been so helpful for us to actually be able to, to make this run and to um, pay our wonderful producer, Andrew. We're all doing it remotely. It's a bit of a chore. It takes up a lot of time and making it um, financially viable. No, sure. No, I don't. I don't. Excuse me, Una Malali. Excuse me. What I meant was recording a podcast remotely is a bit of a chore. The podcast itself is nothing but one of the great pleasures of life. Uh, and I love it. And you know I do. And stop pulling me up a bullshit. Uh, so, um, yeah, but get on board. I believe I just... I just got a go go gadget snort into the podcast. Well, it's been a while. Um, it, when you do support us on Patreon, uh, you get exclusive uh, listening um, time or just you get a bonus episode of the Sunday Soothe every Sunday, which is our soothing um, exit of an old week and even more soothing entry into a new one. And uh, we, I was talking to someone the other day and they were saying how much it's how much they've loved it in, in the pandemic times. So many people are saying that. Yeah. I forgot to socialise it this week because I was so hungover, but... I might do a little flashback today. <laughs> yeah, let's do that. Uh, how are you feeling, Andrea? Not hungover, which is good. Um, I am feeling good. I um, My life is taking some sort of semblance of normality. I was back in Coppinger Row yesterday. So like, what else do I want in my life, to be honest? The St. William Posse are back. And better than ever. And better than ever but not drinking on the street in the in the party zone of Castle Market and Dame Lane. No. Um, do you want to know how, how I'm are feeling? You feeling? <laughs> yeah, I do want to know how you're feeling. Like I'm I'm up and down as as ever. I have to say the last couple of weeks I've found it kind of difficult because I think um, I need to get out of uh, Dublin 7 <laughs> or get out of Dublin a little bit, change the state a little bit because it's kind of the same pace and same rhythm all the time. And I've begun to find it quite demotivating. And uh, so I'm just finding it hard to kind of get work off my desk and that kind of stuff. Um, so I think, uh, but today I'm good. And yeah, I think it's just up, up and well, down. Here's my advice show. What I really found was the opening of Tropical Popcorn provided that pivot to get shit done again, where it was like the there was an action. So maybe look for an action. Obviously it's not opening a nail bar, but maybe that action. How do you know? How do you know it's not opening a nail bar? Better not be. Uh, A lesbian nail bar. We spoke about this before. We did. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But maybe it could be finding a a remote office space. No, I'm just obviously not going to spend money on that right now. (laughs) Okay. Well, it could be like a remote coffee shop. Anyway, 
that's the end of my advice well, segment for this. Why don't I shoot some di- shoot some of your advice down off uh, off mic? Well, we can talk about that later. But listen, for now, um, we are going to talk to these three amazing women who made this documentary. And, you know, um, we have a very special relationship with this film because Andrea Horn, your United Ireland co-host, is one of the stars. Uh, as reluctant as she Star may be. is not the word. Yeah, you see, you see. She is in the documentary. Um, and uh, so Andrea is uh and in a, I don't know what you're talking about you're in it as well so yeah but not ah. not as much as you um and uh so yeah we're going to talk to talk all about the eighth right now I, as a big doc fan I'm super excited about it just because the film is so well made um and so yeah let's get into it So we're discussing today a really, really excellent um, Irish documentary, which I think all of you guys are going to be very invested in. And for those who haven't seen it yet, um, get ready because it really is fantastic. Um, we have the three co-directors uh, with us, Aideen, Maeve and Lucy. They're the co-directors of the documentary The Eighth, which opened uh, the Galway Film Flaw earlier this week uh, to... I think it's fair to say universal audience and critic acclaim. Um, so I'm going to ask the guys to introduce themselves and uh, kind of name their roles so you get a handle on their voices. Uh, we're recording this remotely as per usual. Uh, and so there's a few of us on here now. So um, we'll we'll hope to uh, give everybody a fair shout and all that. So um, Aideen, if you want to go first. Thanks very much, Una and Andrea. This is Aideen. And I'm a producer-director of The Eighth. And Maeve? Uh, hi, guys. It's uh, yeah, Maeve here, and I am also a producer-director, and I also co-edited The Eighth as well with Jordan Montmany. And Lucy? Hi, this is Lucy. Uh, thanks a million for the lovely intro, Una. Um, I'm also a co-director and producer of The Eighth. You guys must be feeling um, really thrilled, uh, but maybe also a little conflicted after um, the doc had its Irish premiere, because obviously uh, pre-lockdown, this was going to be a very big uh, IRL uh, festival year for you guys, because it's very clear that this doc is going to travel far and wide. Um, How are you feeling after uh, the premiere on Tuesday? Um, Not just about you know, people's reactions, but about how the doc is kind of making its way pre-theatrical release into the world. Who's going to take that? Why <laughs> don't you take that, Aideen? <laughs> okay. So um, first off, we, we, we've been, it's a, it was our third festival. Our first festival was Hot Docs in uh, Canada. It's a big doc festival here. It was just over a month ago. And we were really, really thrilled with first the audience, audience reaction and then the press reaction. And then our second festival was Human Rights Watch here in New York. And that was just a couple of weeks ago. And once again, it was a super, super reaction. People are really connecting with the film. So then we were absolutely thrilled it's always been a goal of ours to premiere at the Galway Film Fla and a real shout out to them for what an amazing job they did. Virtual festivals are not easy, but they really pulled it together and they did a couple of unique things that we haven't seen at other festivals yet, like scheduling our film for the opening night and having this very specific appointment to view. And we really think that went really well. So we were thrilled. It is heartbreaking not to have been in the town hall with everybody watching it. I mean, it's one of the things as a filmmaker, you're absolutely, you wait your three or four years for is just to be there in the cinema. And particularly with this film and particularly with an Irish audience, I was sitting here in New York on, on Tuesday night and it was just, I mean, it, it, it's bittersweet. We loved hearing so many people. Uh, that was probably part one of the other advantages. People uh, texted, uh, they uh, were on social media, they sent pictures, um, you know, it was really great to hear that. So, you know, bittersweet. Obviously, um, uh, myself and Andrea uh, are very um, emotionally attached to this film. Andrea more so than me, because she (laughs) is uh, one of the um, kind of main um, 
subjects uh, within the film. So it's kind of foot, like Andrea was saying before, it's like, I kind of feel weird about interviewing people because obviously Andrea is in the doc. And just to give people some context on the documentary, obviously it's about um, the campaign to repeal the Eighth Amendment and as well as following the campaign itself, the social history, uh, the protest movement, um, the political like levers of power being pulled in various different ways that we all kind of live through and the, and the campaigning and the grassroots canvassing and all that. Uh, it also focuses on um, a woman called Andrea Horan, uh, who is now a doc superstar. And I'm really looking forward to just somehow like randomly benefiting from some of the, the <laughs> things that, that comes from that. And Alva Smith, uh, the legend, the icon, uh, the rock star, um, who was one of the main people heading up uh, not just the 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 mechanisms of the of um, together for yes, but also having been you know a foot soldier and a, a really dominant uh, voice and character uh, for you know thirty five years on on women's reproductive rights in Ireland, um, and also Wendy Grace, who is a uh, a, a presenter on a Christian radio station and was uh, one of the campaigners on the no side. So that's the the context of of the doc for people who who haven't seen it yet. We were really keen to talk to you guys. I know it's not in cinemas yet, but just to kind of capture um, really the the frisson and excitement uh, once people actually kind of s- an Irish audience. Um, saw this in, in bigger numbers. But Maeve, I want to go back to the start. Like, how did you guys come together to work on this project? And it's so cohesive as a documentary. It's such a big topic. You're honing in on on on, pe- on certain figures, um, including Andre is so beneficial to tell that story and the different voices therein. But how did you initially go, this is something that we're going to try and capture from the get-go? Um, I think that, um, well, Aideen and Lucy are living in New York, are based in New York. I also lived in New York. The three of us were actually, but I I had moved back to Ireland. We met back in 2016 and kind of Aideen had wanted to make something on this on this issue. And I also had thought about maybe documenting a woman's journey. And then um, we we wanted to have a journalistic kind of perspective. And Lucy, Lucy and Aideen had met and said that she seemed Lucy seemed like a fantastic fit as well. The three of us, I suppose, came at it from different kinds of skills, like Aideen's a producer, um, Lucy journalist, and I'm an editor. So we felt that the three skills kind of combined would hopefully kind of get us through kind of the storytelling elements from pre-production through production to post. Um, in terms of how we grappled with the subject, I think uh, it's fair to say that it was fairly daunting, you know, um, going in and thinking, well, we're going to have to start really with 1983 and get all the way up to 2018. Um um, but I suppose one of the nice things about a documentary and, of, of this nature is to try and find people who can carry the, the story for you and, and serve as incredible guides to get you through. You know what I mean? And that, that's a way to, to, to hang the story and to tell the structure, to, to create the structure. So um, when we met Alva, we knew that she would just be a phenomenal woman to, to carry us through. Um, obviously, she's been fighting it her whole life um, and the stakes were very high for her. Um, but also then, Andrea, just such a phenomenally interesting, fantastic kind of different different viewpoint and different approach to the whole issue. So we were just really excited to serve a great counterpoint to the other parts of the stories. So Andrea and Albert combined, we knew would really carry us through and kind of touch on a lot of different kinds of stories that were going on in Ireland at the time. You know what I mean? Because Andrea, you know, Andrea, you'd say yourself, you know, Andrea was dealing with all kinds of stuff, including your podcast, for example, but also the murals. You know, she was having chats with the girls in the nail bars and she she was kind of like on the grassroots level, really connecting. And so, you know, that was a really important part of this campaign, as as I think we all know. And so that was, you know, really important for us. Um, And then, of course, Alba was driving it too. And so that was how we kind of began, if that's answering your question. And then obviously we were filling in the gaps. In other words, we had to get to the referendum and film to that point and like film it in a very style and as, as I think we've said before we had Matt Lee our cameraman on, on, on the fly kind of running around helping us a lot with these 
kinds of shoots. Um, but ultimately, once we had that, then it was it was it was quite a while later that we filled in the other parts, the historical context, and all those other kinds of elements to try to try and kind of contextualize this massive issue. Um, and the solution there was to kind of you know kind of punctuate the the, the verite story with these other parts in order to contextualize the larger issue. So that's kind of that, and so that has its own arc and its own drive. And then the other, you know, Verite campaign story has its own drive as well. So hopefully those things are running parallel and kind of, you know, kind of cross cross referencing each other. Um, so yeah, yeah. That, is that answering the question or? Yeah, uh, totally, totally. Yeah, yeah. That's kind of um, yeah. That's kind of the, the the bones of how we began and how we structured it and how we thought to tell it. You know. Yeah, Lucy. How would you say it felt having three co-directors on the project? And like, you're all very opinionated, <laughs> strong women. How did you like make decisions um, on what to film, on how to structure it? How did it work, the dynamic? So um, it, it is really interesting, like working with three people. And it was, it's such an enormous story there's no way, you know, any one of us could have done it on our own. And, you know, Maeve throughout the whole thing was in Ireland. Aideen and I were back and forth to Ireland all the time. Um, and I think so much unfolded as well on the fly. Um, so as you well know, Andrea Maeve would be calling you saying, Andrea, what are you doing? What are you doing? What are you doing? And then and me breaking Maeve's heart every time going, I don't plan more than a day ahead, Maeve. I'm sorry. She'd be like, how do you work like this? <laughs> I know. Um, so, but in terms of like, the really key thing about this film was the three of us, and we all have other jobs, like this was a massive labor of love for us. And the key thing ultimately was we all wanted the same thing. We all wanted to make this film. We were all completely committed to making this film. So there there were, mostly we agreed on a lot of things and absolutely, you know, the selection of the main protagonists was, was absolutely unanimous. We then, in terms of... Um, you know, we came up with a democratic system. If two people agreed that we do something, then we would go for it. And that's how we did things. But but for the most part, we were aligned. And absolutely, like, we... Um, I think women are, are generally pretty good listeners. So we did sort of just hash things out a lot. Um, we'd have, you know, calls at 8 a.m. New York time, lunchtime for Maeve, and, and we'd just talk everything through. Um, and, and we're all still talking to each other. Um, well, that's a good sign. Yes. <laughs> we actually all still really like each other, which is even better <laughs> <laughs> I want to talk about the protagonists um, featured in the doc. Uh, uh, in, actually, I just, Andrea, I'm going to interview you for a few minutes, oh, if that's yeah. okay. <laughs> because my experience with, um, obviously, uh, Andrea is a very vivacious, um, clear thinking, uh, smart person who cuts through a lot of... Um, bullshit and just I find that thinks very clearly and often gets kind of straight to the point and is not as embroiled in um, the traditions of activism uh, and so that you know Andre you just have this very very clear novel perspective um, that I think has has which is why your your kind of activism and your organizational skills are so good you know and that you're able to bring new people into a conversation and um, go to where people are at in order to include them. But um, from uh, when we were doing Don't Stop Repealing together and uh, obviously I kind of, you know, you kind of do things and then just completely forget about them and we're like, God, that was actually like three months of or four months of our lives or something. Um, you, despite your uh, colourful, larger than life personality, are quite an introvert. Uh, this is some and quite shy. This is something that people do not get from you, but it is very, very true. Um, and I think that you are kind of adverse to drama a lot of the time and don't necessarily want to put yourself at the centre of the story, despite the fact that you have done 50,000 um, interiors features for every single uh, newspaper and magazine in the land. When you were approached to do this, what were you thinking? And what oh, was God. the sell? What was the sell? 
So initially, what, what did I think? I, like, you know, my memory as well is shit. But <laughs> I remember meeting, um, we went to Clowns and Pico with Aideen. Was it, it was, I think it was just Aideen and Maeve at the time. Was it? Mm-hmm. Were you, were you yeah. early? Yes, no, I was in New York. Um, um and they were just chatting about the campaign and we just had a, a good coffee and um I got on well with them and uh liked their company and uh liked uh their idea and obviously I'm very reluctant contrary to popular belief to put myself in front of cameras um and or speak like I had to do like a video the other day for the film fla talking to camera. I was like, I absolutely hate talking to camera, which is gas given that the, what the documentary is. But I suppose when I started Unreal Issues, the whole point was to uh, empower people who aren't who don't feel like they are able to be activists to use their voice and to to give them confidence to be able to challenge the status quo. And if I felt if other people saw me doing that. And it was the same way I was with Repeal and Tropical Popical. And when people were afraid to speak out, like when we started Unreal, asking celebrities to set to, to pledge their support, they were nervous about putting it on their social media. So I became quite confident of putting myself out there, supporting it so other people would feel more comfortable to do it, even though I don't like putting myself out there in terms of stuff like that. So I'd be posting about that. So I felt if I agreed to do this this would be a way for people to if they when they saw this and I knew that the um the idea was for this to go outside of Ireland it wasn't just to be a look aren't they great type of piece it was to be go worldwide and to kind of help in the fight for women's rights so I felt if this was going to be going in a bit to a bigger audience and that more when people saw it they'd be like well if she can do it she owns a nail bar and she's uh just a normal person doing her bits. Why can't I? So that's why I agreed to it as mm. opposed to. So yeah, I because- feel like I'm always cognizant whenever I'm talking about it of like not looking like it's an ego thing. And like, obviously everything is ego. If we didn't have an ego, we wouldn't do anything. And so everyone has an ego, but like, I am not, I would never, like I didn't, I, yeah, I don't want to be in a film or I don't, like, it's not my natural state, but if it actually is a help for the bigger, for the better cause. And I just want to save the world. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a bit late to not want to be in a film, Andrea, to be fair. Um, <laughs> one of the um, really kind of heartening things um, about this documentary is, so like uh, when it was being made, I was thinking, yeah, that's amazing. Like, I'm so glad that there's, you know, at least uh, one or two people making documentary on this moment for it even to just be a, a document of of the era. Um, and um, Andrea had seen a cut of it and was trying to tell me about it. Although I think that your memory was a little hazy during the viewing of that. Uh, we, had, we had a good time watching it. <laughs> right, cool. That's all we need to know about that. Um, and so you're, you were a little sketchy on the details, uh, let's say, when I was trying to, to find out what it was like. So when I was watching it on Monday, um, very, very quickly in the viewing experience, um, you know, you're completely put at ease because it's like, oh, this is, a really good film. You know, this is a very expertly made, really well put together film. And I think one of the things that will really thrill audiences about it um, in, in two parts, in Ireland, if anybody who is involved in any way in the campaign and, you know, and obviously there are tens of thousands of people involved at different levels. Um, it's very real. It's a very authentic um, portrayal of what that campaign was like. You know, the atmosphere, the stakes were so high, uh, the sadness um, and, and the, you know, difficulties of trying to get through it and also it being extraordinarily like inspiring, uplifting, motivating, politicizing moment. Um, and, at the, and at the same time for, um, you know, you're also you telling telling a story like it has a I suppose what you'd call like a traditional documentary arc um that that something is happening that you're capturing it that there are uh crescendos um and then for 
an out an audience outside of Ireland. This is me just telling you what your film is like, by the way, which I'm sure is really helpful <laughs> uh, for, for for an audience outside of Ireland. Uh, you know, it, it doesn't. The context is all there. You get it. This is like a story that you could be watching about. Um, you know, another another something happening in another country and become very invested in it straight away. But what was interesting to me is like a a, a doc fan was the level of craft um, in in the making of it itself. You know, take a, take away the fact that so many of us are really invested in this time. Take away the fact that like Andre is in his, you know, that we like we're in loads of those places like Dublin Castle or On the Doors or that, you know, loads of people know Alva Smith or something. When you take all of that away, there's such beauty in the in how the film is produced and how and how it's made, and in particular, um, not to you know no spoilers or anything, but there is a sequence in the film where it's there's just loads of women's voices over a really beautiful um, scenery of Ireland. It is almost like a hypnotic, immersive, um, transcendental moment of beauty of filmmaking. And I just want to ask you guys in terms of those decisions of, of how you make something look like this is a fucking kick-ass documentary, you know, that is of a world-class standard, like while maintaining this subject matter that is so um, difficult to to grapple with, as you're saying, you know, the weight of history and, and the weight of everyone involved in the campaign from an artistic perspective, what creative decisions were you making to make sure that not only was this going to be a really good document of a time, but that it would be, you know, elevated as a really great film. That's a hard question. I think you said it all. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I think we could just leave it there. Okay. <laughs> yeah. No, Una, that's so wonderful to hear. And I do, some of it is just very organic. I mean, we worked with incredibly talented cinematographers and, you know, one of my favorite pieces, you know, in the film are these historical vignettes where we tell the story of Savita Halpanaver with archive footage, um, contemporaneous archive footage. And, you know, you have people in Ireland like Paula Garrity, who has just been at every single progressive march in Ireland. And, you know, we went through her archive. Maeve's brother did our graphics and he is just phenomenal. For Tune, he read the entire Ryan report. So, like for, for for the graphic talking about sort of child abuse and the treatment of women in crisis pregnancy. So it's sort of just a really kind of, it would be hard to break it all down and tell you exactly how we did it. But just every single person who worked on this film was deeply, deeply invested in it. You know, yeah, I think that's true. Um, I, I also just would add, you know, it's 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 a very scary thing when you start a film because you have a whole load of things. Like you have all these tools in your box, like all these different scenes of different people. We've re- we recorded the women's voices all along. Um, we had the historical we were creating as we went, and so you have everything, and you kind of it's you know you kind of go, how are we going to put it together? One thing that did help a lot in terms of stitching it together was interviews a year later with a lot of the top top people together for yes for example and you know because they had had a year to kind of process I think that that really helped with the storytelling of the campaign section of the film if you want to really analyze the film it's actually in three parts and the campaign section is the middle section um but you know so I think that was an incredibly useful brilliant moment where they all were very forthcoming and it really helped us kind of carry some of the emotion and the movement forward in that section to get us to the voices for example and the way I edit in, in a film is I always try to get to a specific point which is the culmination That's, I'm always trying to drive to that point and, and the voices for me was kind of the culmination of everything where women suddenly came out and started speaking it's a very important moment in the film in my view you know what I mean and it's the turning point. So you kind of put those placeholders there and try to get yourself to that point, you know, by using other parts to get there, you know. Um, Can I so just that's, add there, Maeve? That's, yeah. 
I, I also do want to add, because I think it's a really important thing, and I think it's why the, the Irish audience reaction is so important to us, the level of commitment and passion. I mean, when you make documentaries, it's a real privilege. You know, yeah. people let you into their lives. And mm-hmm. I think there's two parts to this. I mean, we worked for four years on this. We went through our own times where we came home and we cried our hearts out after hearing someone's story or meeting someone. I mean, we tra- we filmed over a two-year period, but in the other two years around that, we traveled to all over Ireland, Dublin, Cork, Limerick, uh, Wexford, Roscommon, Galway. Uh, we met women, you know, for a half an hour in, in hotel lobbies and went quietly to a room to record them. Everybody, yeah. most people we asked, the amount of, we were absolutely spoiled for choice. The amount of people who were working on this campaign in every co- corner of Ireland. And unfortunately, we have to make kind of difficult and ruthless decisions. Like how what can you put in? What can't you? I mean, we met amazing people. So the privilege, I mean, we were an afterthought to most people. I mean, Andrea would look at us sometimes and go, what are you still here? Haven't you got what you need to go? <laughs> you know, and same with Alva. So we really were trying to squeeze in. Um, they were all doing something that was much bigger than us and much bigger than this film. So that was a hard thing as a, just to get our space in there with them so that we knew we could document it. We would have certain moments. Mm-hmm. But the level of passion of everyone, the people we filmed with, the people we asked to film with, the people we just met that didn't end up in the film, and the craft and the skill of everyone that we worked with in Ireland. I mean, we're really lucky in Ireland. We have, I mean, Lucy and I and Maeve work in New York all the time, but I mean, some of the people that we worked in Ireland you know, I, I'd come back to Ireland just to work with them again. The post-production house, Outer Limits, our sound editor, Killian Fitzgerald and Avatar. Uh, I mean, we worked with five different camera people um, uh, and all of them, I mean, amazing. Sometimes we just couldn't get them and sometimes it was just because we were filming at such last minute. But we were really really lucky and I think that adds to this film and it adds a layer and then I think the people yeah it was just it was an absolute privilege uh, to make this film and I think it was why it was so important to Maven, Lucy and I we just felt like we really wanted to do it we were going to do anything to make it happen and we were going to give it everything we had and the hardest thing was trying to make those decisions what what needed to be in and, and and particularly for what you said earlier, Andrea and Una, like what needed to be in for context for people outside of Ireland and then what needed to be in for just the pure heart of this documentary to make sure that it was uh, a powerful screening experience. For um, sure. And just actually, sorry, one last thing on that and, and what Aideen's saying. I do think, and this is why it's so hard to break it down, I do think every single conversation that we had, like I spent a long time talking to this historian, Lindsay Erner Byrne, about the foundation of the state and the treatment of women in, at that time. And ultimately, we couldn't get that into the film. But every single conversation we had with every single woman and every single person uh, informed the film that you see. Mm. Yeah, you can really see the the layers. Like it's, it's, I mean, it's so difficult to portray um, the history of women in the Irish state in the 20th and 21st century. But um, you can tell that because it's you, you for me as a viewer, like, and I watch way too many. No, I would, I watch a lot, a lot of documentaries and stuff. You can really tell as a viewer, um, just you, you're not even, you're not noticing the history and context being like shoehorned in. Be, and the only way, you know, I, I feel that as a filmmaker that can be done is if there's been so much work internally and externally done that when you get to the portrayal what you're left with is clarity you know and you you don't feel like you're being pushed along these narratives you just feel like you're getting the whole picture which is why you know so many documentaries are made on different historical or political moments or moments around activism for me this as as a piece of filmmaking really really uh manages to tell a story in in an, a very elevated way which is why i think it's going to it's going to travel you know very far and be really beloved of of audiences i think i interrupted you there to talk to you about your film again um why don't you why don't you say it <laughs> you put it so beautifully yeah. that's a, it's just such a great compliment una and yeah thank you yeah thanks a lot it's very nice to hear so we've had 
we've had the little moment in Ga- in the Galway Fla, which was fab and a lovely evening. But what is next for the film? Who's going to take that? You see, we're we're so we're so kind. We do like each other a lot, and we're so good <laughs> to each other. And we, you know, we do try, and sometimes we have conversations, and we can't even hear each other. Also excited, and other times, yeah. Um, I I don't mind. Uh, we look, we've uh, we're, we're really lucky in that uh, the reaction has been so great. We've um, just uh, agreed with a, a fantastic Irish company, Breakout Pictures, who are going to do a theatrical release for us in, we're hoping October, November. Obviously, we're looking at COVID and back to cinemas and everything like that. It's a little more difficult to plan these things, but we would hope to be in Irish cinemas, uh, six or seven cinemas uh, all over the country in October, November. We'd also hope to be able to recreate maybe what we missed in Galway on Tuesday night by having uh, uh, an opening or a bit of a premiere. Uh, We'll continue along the film festival route. There's a couple of key festivals that we'll be doing um, internationally and uh, over the next six or seven months. We've just also agreed with um, an educational distributor who'll take this film and um, uh, make it available to universities and classrooms all over the world. We've uh, just signed with um, a sales agent who's also going to uh, sell it for us. Or um, So, yeah, we're, it has a trajectory over the next year and a half of festival campaign. Then it'll begin to hopefully be on television, the, the theatrical piece, television. We're also doing an impact and engagement campaign, which is, and we're working with a wonderful company based in London called Together Films. And they'll essentially take this film. And over the summer, we're meeting with organizations that are involved in reproductive justice all over the world. And they'll some key people from those organizations will sit down, take a look at the film and go, right, here's how we think this uh, 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 film can be helpful to us in the work we're doing. And it might be just as helpful as in, you know, tired and exhausted campaigners. Just look at what happened in Ireland. Look what these amazing people did. It's quite inspirational. I mean, as much as you feel sad and, and weighed down by the film, at the end of the day, it's, it, it's a really positive, um, inspirational film. So that impact campaign will then be happening alongside the release over the normal uh, 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 channels. So that's pretty much the plan for the next year and a half. Um, Amazing. Sounds like a good plan. (laughs) (laughs) And Um, we'll be calling you, Andrea, to do more panels and all that sort of thing. She loves that. She loves that so much. (laughs) Just put a camera in front of that woman's face. Can can I just say, she doesn't need any preparation, though. She's like, what are we having calls for to prepare for this? I'll just turn up. I'll just rock up. I'll be there. She knows what she wants to say. No. A true pro. A true pro. (laughs) Guys, just congratulations again. I know that we're talking about a film that a lot of our listeners haven't seen yet, um, but I think that it's really important to kind of uh, capture it right now um, as it, as it, although you've of course uh, shown in North America as it starts to really take on its momentum. um, This is going to be a a really fantastic journey that you guys are going to go on and, uh, such such a great accomplishment. Um, I can't I can't imagine the weight of expectation that you were carrying as well. Um, and to have to have achieved what you've achieved uh, in in lifting that up is really remarkable. Um, as a piece of filmmaking, as a as a historical uh, document, as social document, it's it's just so great and heartening to watch something that you have so much emotional investment in and be like, oh my God, they nailed it. Uh, So well done. Congratulations. And um, really looking forward to that theatrical release. I'm sure all of our listeners are. Is there anywhere in between now and then that they may potentially be able to watch it on a festival stream or anything? Or is that locked down for the time being? For the summer right now, festivals, you know, some festivals are happening, some aren't. So, no, currently for Irish audiences, it'll it'll probably be October, November. But do follow us on social media. We're just the eighth film. Sign up to the website. We send regular updates. Uh, as things change for us, we'll, we'll let people know. Is it still possible to watch it on Galway Film Flat? It is till it's over, isn't it? No, it's, it, uh, it, it, it ended last night at midnight. Can I ask Andrea one final question um, while you guys are still here? Andrea, um, how did you feel watching yourself and 
uh, in the movie and and are you like happy are you like it must be a very odd feeling it's a great um, well I'd kind of seen it obviously the first time kind of um so I knew what was in it and then the second time I I've only seen it twice I saw it then I watched it with Alva the other night and we were kind of chatting and like she'd be like oh and this happened here and give me all the inside scoops so it was uh kind of more social occasion so I wasn't really focused because we also had to do our Q&A so we weren't we were kind of like disconnected from it and uh but she she slags me all the time about the gin scene because I hate it Alvin knows I hate it um not hate it but like Scarlet I'm in the gym like with my (laughs) nails like whatever it's it's Scarlet it's amazing Um, but then we were having the chats but then I watched it again or the kind of last bit of it um at the end and do you know what? It was really emotional watching it because of the story as opposed to me being in it. But then I was just really so thankful to have a like documentation of this really weird, not weird time in my life, but like such a uh, journey that I went on and that to have the because I have a shit memory, to have that memory, how lucky to have it in a film that other people also get to see. And uh, even the funniest bit, was a side thing that I only noticed because um as Una will tell you I developed like a little um cute obsession with Michal Martin <laughs> after interviewing him and you could just see me hugging Alba and then going in for a hug with Michal Martin I was like oh my god look at me and Michal uh so like stuff like that that you, it's such a privilege to have something like that and to have the thing and it was so nice because like obviously I got to know Maeve um Aideen and Lucy and it was a really nice experience to get to know them and then the privilege of getting to watch the film with the legend that is Alva Smith it was just like this is like such a treat such a phenomenal so there was so many emotions of joy and like obviously then I was bawling when I was on my own watching it so privileged joy sadness um but all at the end of the day like thankful for what we achieved but thankful for what Aideen Lucy and Maeve achieved in making it Amazing. Guys, thank you so much for for joining us. I'm sure that we'll be chatting again about this film um, soon. And, uh, you know, just well done again. And Andrea, you're a legend and Alva is a legend. And um, when everyone... Everyone, everyone. That's what I'm saying. Every, I was. (laughs) I always get paranoid because it was like I'm always like there was so many people involved, and this story is not any one story. So no, and I think I think that comes across, and and uh, you know the the everybody has ownership over what happened because the change was so um, grassroots, and everybody's own personal work, their personal journey the energy that we all put in collectively, that's what made repeal happen. And I think that, that this documentary, while it may focus on um, a few protagonists, really holds that as well, you know? Uh, so it's all about the us's. Thank you so much, guys. And uh, I can't wait to see it again. Thanks a million. Thanks, Thanks, Thanks Andrea. Thanks. Bye. 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 Now, fave bits this week. Andrea, hit me with your fave bits. As ever, we're talking about a beautifully made, high quality documentary. So I'm continuing that spectrum of quality film. The holiday has landed on Netflix. (laughs) Cameron Diaz at her finest. What a great joy bringer the holiday is during this time of uncertainty. Also, another extremely high quality uh, film, The American President. Like, who doesn't love a love story in the White House? Um, and considering what's going on in the White House and what potentially might be with uh, the new contender for president that we won't talk about, but the new one that was, uh, I did see another one, Paris Hilton. I don't know if that's really good, a bad idea. Like, making everything hot and everyone sound, maybe this is the future. Um, mm. that's like, that's a side, side angle, isn't it? Paris Hilton as the president. Oh, God, what is the world? Anyway, another fave bit of mine. Tomorrow, I'm really excited because as you, as I may have mentioned, I've been living in the country. I've moved into town. 
I miss my country life clearly and uh, near where my mom lives is the Avon which is this amazing facility that has the big blue bus from uh, the Shaw. They have a big red bus that serves uh, barbecue. So you have pizza and barbecue. All this outside area that feels like there's all the flags from Body and Soul and the bears and everything and all these tables so you can socially distance outside have pizzas and barbecue but also do loads of activities. So tomorrow I'm going kayaking and then finishing that off with a pizza in the Avon. They have delicious coffee. It is, a, and they have loads of chalets that you can stay in, but it's only like 30 minutes from Dublin. Um, I know not everyone's in Dublin, so it's like loads of minutes from all over the other rest of the place in the country. And yeah, I'd have a look at the Avon, not Spawn, but it's just a really great facility, uh, very close to where I am. And you are if you're in Dublin. Um, and that's all my five bits this week. So my fave bits this week, uh, speaking of quality film, I watched Skyscraper uh, the other night. Um, I would imagine you've seen this, Andre, because The Rock is in it. I have seen it. I went to the cinema to see it, obviously. It's, it's so bad. It's brilliant. It's kind of, yeah. I mean, I was, I've, I was, we've been talking about, I've, I've struggled a lot watching feature dramas uh, during lockdown. I've mostly been watching docs or just um, some TV bits. Uh, but I managed to kind of get back into a film groove the other night. I watched Big Night, which I'd never seen. You know, one of those films that people always talk about, like good American indie films, Stanley Tucci, Mini Driver, um, all the faves. Skyscraper, just really enjoyed it. I mean, it is basically Die Hard, uh, but a skyscraper that is gradually, gradually exploding in different ways. Um, and The Rock is one of the... I mean, I love The Rock so much. Um, obviously, myself and Andrea have repeatedly talked about how our favorite film franchise is the Fast and Furious series. Um, the new one's coming out soon. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it now. We have been wait- hanging hanging on for a while yeah. for that that one. Um, but yeah, if you're looking for total brain switch off trash on Netflix and uh, don't want to watch documentaries about you know Jeffrey Epstein and all of the like true crime stuff that Netflix feeds you skyscraper you won't regret it and nev campbell's in it you know i love it's a very entertaining the only thing is i wish there was a jump like i love in uh, fast and furious the way they jump between skyscrapers in the yes cars. so i it's got conf- <laughs> did, i got confused um before i was watching it i was like oh yeah this is the bit where they speed the car through the sky- skyscraper and it jumps into another skyscraper and spent all of the film waiting for that to happen and then realized that that had happened in the last fast and furious so that was it doesn't have just spoiler alert it doesn't have a jump in a speeding muscle car between two skyscrapers uh which i agree andrea they could they could have fit it in and like all good action movies it's an hour and 40 minutes long so uh, fast and furious is the only action movie films that are allowed to be over two hours long everything else can wrap itself up in an hour and a half so yeah. this this pretty sure. much does that. So that's very welcome. My other fave bits are, um, this sounds like uh, SpawnCon, but it's not. But are you bored of cooking the same old things? Are you sick of your oven? Are you uh, really broke and can't be ordering delivery or Uber Eats, which never comes anyway? Um, so uh, my girlfriend has been obsessing over this very particular type of barbecue for many years, like pretty much like definitely she was talking about it when we started going out. It is a cob barbecue, C-O-B-B. And it's like a small kind of egg shaped barbecue that also kind of works as a convection oven. So you like uh, close it over and the things cook and then you can flame grill stuff. But it's so amazing because it's kind of portable and it has this uh, steel kind of casing that you can just pick it up even when it's cooking and you can just put it on a table and it can cook away there can like roast chickens it has this moat where you can roast delicious potatoes and vegetables and everything and um, she got it off some guy in Rathmines who had some stock left over from when he tried to sell them before and if you're look, I think it was like 150 bucks or 120 quid or something so it's not cheap but it's an entire new cooking system. So I've just been eating these amazing barbecued roast potatoes for like two oh weeks. Oh my God. Who doesn't? 
love a potato. I've just had a look on the internet and Marks and Spencers have a portable one with a strap for 175 euro. Oh, there you go. Um, yeah, I really, I just feel like the tedium of just having to cook so much all the time and, you know, takeaway food is really expensive. So if you can find new ways and we have only a tiny, tiny little yard, you know, because I know a lot of people like if you want to buy a barbecue, they're all so big and you need like a big back garden or whatever. Like we just have this tiny little backyard and it's perfect for it. So if you're in a small space or if you have like a balcony in your flat or whatever, this is the jam. And um, looking for new ways to cook. Did you not take up my buffet idea? What, what buffet? It makes eating a thrill. Just getting a tray and laying out five different tastes of food. Yeah, I know that's all, that's grand, but that's very much like uh, a charcuterie model where things aren't necessarily cooked a lot of the time. Am I correct in saying that, Andrea? The more oh. antipasti kind of vibe. I, I really think we should move on from... from okay. <laughs> okay, so that's the barbecue, that's skyscraper. I realise my fave bits now are kind of like I'm some guy from Houston. It's like, I love this rock movie and here's a new way I'm smoking meat. Um, my other fave bit is a magazine that I picked up in Daddy's Cafe in Rialto. And uh, it's called Post Work, a collection of thoughts, images and ideas on life during a global pandemic. Uh, the guy who started it was a guy called Jonathan Blaney. Um, those were the people involved. Louise Callahan, Brita Donovan, Ed Carvalho, Monaghan, uh, SL Hurley Walker did the design. And it's just this really interesting snapshot of things people were thinking about and, and just, you know, feeling during uh, lockdown. So there's poetry, there's like graphic design, there's essays. Um, really enjoyed that. I'm sure it's around another few places, but it's called Post Work. Um, and uh, there's uh, issue one I have from May. I think there's another issue coming out soon. So those are my fave bits. Um, so Andrea, can you please tell me what the deal is? The deal is to keep your distance. A lot of people like, where was I? I can't remember where I was. Walking around and people were literally walking into me. I was like, get away from me. I don't know you. Uh, anyway, keep washing your hands. Sneezes, contain them. Put your masks on. Put your mask on. Mask for mask. Um, I do think that people are getting more into masks. And on that, over a million people have downloaded the COVID tracking app. Imagine if all of those wore a mask. Mm. We wouldn't have anything to track. Hmm. Yes. You know? Masks are definitely proven to help, so do it. Um, now, for this week's tuna chicken roll, this is a classic that I was reminded of um, by my good friend, Declan, aka Crystal Clear, um, for the pandemic, sent um, a playlist to us, to his pals, every Monday of five songs that were reflecting his mood at the time. And this was one of the songs in last week's playlist, um, and it is Back Together hard sell remix and you know what we will be back together soon guys some sunny day you sound like Leo Bracker <laughs> some sunny day whatever the Dermot Kennedy lyric is we will see I our friends again I don't think you've ever said anything more hurtful to me I sound like Leo Bracker uh, Leo is a good orator so in, at, at times at times he is um, what? What, he's good at making speeches when the speeches are when he's reading from them when he's reading from oh, them yeah. when, he, when he's not allowed to go off script in any way <laughs> he can communicate a message um, ah. or, or um, okay so I have been Una I've been Andrea that was the 8th and we are United, United. Peace